sure enough, just like um, all the smartest people say, if you start watching a number, it's going to improve. This is Growth in Dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast where we ask the question, what does growth in dentistry look like to you? I'm Katie Polson, a dental hygienist and your host. Welcome to a special episode of Growth in Dentistry for our Practice Growth Series. I'm Katie Polson, and I have Adam Smith on Zoom today. He's not in the chair next to me because he has COVID. And it was so nice. So thank you for not sharing with me. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I figured I figured you'd appreciate that. Oh my gosh. I was going to come in just for the podcast, but... No, uh... I don't want to be stuck in a small room with you. So thank you so much for staying home. <laughs> Good thing. But actually, we... he's supposed to be sitting in that chair. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, but he's not. So yeah. I'm just, it's yeah. just, I'm just by myself. That's okay. Um, yeah. uh, that that lovely voice that you hear. Uh, we have a wonderful uh, doctor, which I will introduce in just a second. So he's with us from Minnesota. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we've got. Um, before we get started, I want to talk a little bit about uh, just some housekeeping things for those of you that have never listened to the show. We have an awesome Facebook dental intelligence podcast community. So if Facebook is your jam and you like to be a part of groups, there's, we have got a, a good podcast community there. Come join like-minded people and come learn from one another. Um, if you are a current customer of dental Intel, we've launched a DI community, which is an awesome space for current, our current customers to go and ask questions of each other on how they're implementing the data and how they're using it or just general practice questions. So there's, it's a great, great place to talk uh, to one another. It's a couple months new and has started off really well. So if you haven't checked that out, I encourage you to do so. And if you're not a current customer and you want to be one, uh, special listeners of our of our show today, get um, $50 off when you, or sorry, you get a $50 gift card when you complete a demo by going to get.dentalintel.net slash podcast. And that link will be in our show notes. So without further ado, we have over, we have access to over 9,000 practices data. And, and the goal of these special episodes is to really just uh, like it says, a deep dive into how a data is kind of useless and yes you're using it to improve and that can mean so many things to different people and so that's what we are that's what we're doing with these episodes we really want to get into the minds of of the practices that are doing exceptionally well so that being said i have dr andy Dr is it droa or droll droll okay droll. you told yeah. me and then i forgot and then i and then i started having a panic attack so <laughs> whatever yeah <laughs> But we're so glad that you're here. He's it's he's got a husband. Hus, it's a husband and wife wife team there. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, first, um, my wife and I practice together. There's no third or fourth or fifth dentist in the office. It's the two of us with two locations that we use each part time. Um, and that's been going on for a while. I think eight years um, like that. Um, the practice opened as a complete de novo startup in 2004 and was very small for a long time, which suited us actually really well for a long time. She likes to be on, she does not like to be on podcasts. I almost said that backwards, but she likes to be on the shirt. Um, she's seeing patients today. She doesn't know I'm wearing the shirt. I ran this by her daughters. Like, yeah, you should probably wear the shirt. Um, she's more well-spoken than I am. For those of you that are just listening, he's wearing an amazing Hawaiian shirt with his wife's name on or wife's face all over his shirt. It's amazing. I kind of want one to get one for 
my husband, uh, he doesn't listen to this podcast because he's not in dentistry. And so don't, it won't be spilling the beans, but I seriously want to get, I want, I want to make one. Well, awesome. yeah, you, if you're ever recording on your anniversary, you can show up yes. it just as a little tribute to your relationship. <laughs> um, a little more about us. Um, and well, I'm like, I just, I actually met with a new dentist this morning who just finished school and I was kind of got warmed up on him. That's probably good because I got my talk on already and I'll probably be able to restrain myself a little now. Um, but I was telling him, um, we're not, we're not geniuses. Um, everything that I've figured out there's a little bit that's come from trial and error, the school of hard knocks. Um, the rest is um, things we've picked up from other people um, almost exclusively. I think there's one thing, one good idea that I've actually come up with on my own that applies to dentistry that hopefully I remember to share during this podcast. The rest came from somewhere. Um, just, just trying to find good uh, giants and stand on their shoulders. Um, and I was debating, do I name drop and um, give credit? I think I would like to yeah, um, in certain cases, mm -hmm. because otherwise I'm not doing anybody any service at all by just sort of claiming, oh boy, well, look what we figured out. Yeah, um, I love I'd like people to find the, be able to find the source um, and review it for themselves. I love that you say that because I've, I've, I've spent time talking before. There are so many people out there. There's like, there's 150, po uh, 150 Donald podcasts out there now. There's yeah. so many people talking. There are not any original ideas at this point. I like, I just don't believe that there really are anymore, but, um, but that doesn't mean you can't have access to a bunch of, a bunch of, um, a bunch of information. And so it just makes it, it makes it, um, just a big difference in, yeah. in your willingness in a, to share. Yes. In the past, I mean, for years, I'll talk about this more probably. Um, I, I think I, I was attached to the idea of figuring things out on my own. Um, I pride myself in what I've accomplished in my life and like, geez, I should be able to figure this out too. How hard can it be? But um, it's, it's a lot easier to just find smarter people than oneself and learn from them because um, we don't have, no, nobody has a million years. My final sort of disclaimer is that I'm uh, on the Dental Intelligence podcast and I like Dental Intelligence, but how I feel about dental intelligence right now is sort of how I used to feel starting a semester in school, um, undergrad or something. You go spend several hundred dollars on textbooks and you leave with all your textbooks for the semester. You leave the little bookshop. You're like, great. Now I have all this knowledge, but like, I don't really know what to do with it. Um, mm -hmm. And actually I'll preface everything I'm going to say after this with uh, what I want to say that my vision, I have no idea if this will ever come to pass, but the vision, sort of vision I have for this um, podcast is that I'll come back in two years and tell how Dental Intel helped us. Because from listening to other Dental Intel podcasts um, to get ready for this one, I'm like, we're underutilizing it. I know. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm not a stats geek. That's why I like having Dental Intel because I don't yeah. gravitate towards stats. So I love, I, sorry, go ahead, Adam. You're good. The, the that's actually the, the reason that we wanted to do this podcast is there are people that are performing really well, but it's, it's difficult to come up with the solutions on your own every single time. So for us to go out and say, hey, this practice is doing really well here. Let's see what they're doing to do that well. We have the data there to say, hey, you're in the top 10% of this metric. What are you doing to do so well there? That's where... We, that's where we want this podcast to go is for someone to come in and say, hey, I need better new patient flow. Let's, let's pick out the ones that are um, 
talking about new patients and how to acquire new patients and what they're doing. And then people who are name dropping, getting into exactly what they're doing. That we, we do want you to name drop because we want people to walk away from this and say, he name dropped these specific people or these specific companies about this metric and, and how it's helped them there. I'm struggling with that. I, I would like to do better there. I'm going to go do some research there and have takeaways that they can go and then better their practice that way. Yeah. We yeah. all get better if we can if we can share data that way. Yeah. Now, whoever's listening or watching now or in the future, um, there's no secret sauce. Um, I'm happy to hear from anybody. Um, people can go to our office website and find us and drop me a line and I'll tell you everything I've figured out and the good and the bad and the ugly. That's awesome. Um, so. Well, thank you again for being here and being a dental practice owner and also practicing dentistry is and being a parent and a spouse and all the things that you are, it, it takes a lot of time. And so we appreciate you taking an hour of uninterrupted time with us. So. Yeah. Well, it'll probably be interrupted by barking dogs or kids. That's okay. I mean, yeah. This is real. But you're not here. in someone's mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm also not in on a sound stage. Yeah. yeah that's I'm okay. living real life in it. Yeah. I don't yeah. always wear this shirt, but that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Well, so first of all, let's, you talked about just barely, you started your practice from the ground up to 2004. So I, I, I've asked this question in, in the past previous podcast, and I'd like to know, cause I think there's a lot of people that are out there starting up or they're, or they're maybe an associate and they are like thinking about going out on their own and scared. So I guess, yeah. what would you ask your younger self about starting when you were starting up your dental office, what would you, what would you tell yourself? Funny, that was the conversation this morning, sort of, because I was uh, meeting with my new friend, Nathan, who just finished dental school. And is, I remember um, wondering the same thing. He's wondering when he's going to get his speed. Um, when is he going to figure out how to do things efficiently in the yeah. model? I'm like, yeah, that's right. I remember thinking about that too. Um, and then what kind of practice setting is going to suit him? And just questions I can't answer um, for him because yeah. it's unique to each of us. And, but I, he, you know, he's a friendly guy. He showed up, we were having coffee. Um, he wanted to ask me a bunch of things. I'm like, wait, I want to ask you a bunch of things. I want to know what you've been hearing. Um, what advice have you already received so far? Cause I'm pretty curious too. Um, I was meeting with him as much for myself as for him, cause what an interesting opportunity to learn. Um, it came up pretty quickly that I guess not too surprised. Um, there's a narrative that making the rounds um, that every practice will be corporate owned, uh, venture capital owned, and part of a massive conglomeration of practices pretty soon here. Um, it was funny to hear him say that and listen to the words he used because I remember saying and thinking the exact same thing 20 years ago. I think we could look at the marketplace and agree that DSOs do have a bigger market share than they did 20 years ago. But I remember talking to my classmates when we were graduating about like, well, where are you going to work in the fall kind of thing? And it was like, well, it's going to either be this one or this one or this one, three big groups in, in Minnesota, or I might go become somebody's associate with option to become a partner. I think nobody geez, if any classmates are listening, I don't think anybody from my dental class of 2002 at Minnesota graduated and started a practice that summer. Uh, two people from my wife's class did. So kind of like talking to this guy this morning, I'm like, dude, we were saying the exact same thing 20 years ago. What's changed is um, marketing was really difficult 
um, in 2004, when we started our practice, there was no way to just throw a little video on Facebook or TikTok or something um, and start attracting attention. Um, that just didn't exist. We were placing print ads in local little shopper newspapers and yeah. getting one or two patients that way a month to a point where we kind of gave up on it. Um, I've watched new dentists since then, friends of mine um, do startups in the past five years and they've they've gotten things going a lot more quickly than we have. And um, a lot of it is savvy marketing. Um, so that's really changed. Um, but I, I believe in private practice. Um, plenty of people are happy working for big groups. Um, we're following a strategy that doesn't involve um, getting ready to sell to a big group. Although maybe 15 years from now, we're gonna have to contemplate that as a possibility. Right now we're a very mid-career. Um, so the rest of the sort of advice I could give myself is of a generic nature, almost because it's people say over and over again, invest in yourself, get some quality CE. They don't teach you everything in school, um, things like that. Honestly, in 2003, 2004, um, all the way to 2015, I wouldn't have even taken that advice um, because I was staunchly um, inclined to just figure things out on my own. Um, so I wasn't ready to hear that advice. So we were a little slow to go to Spear um, and Panky and some of those other yeah. things because we were just kind of stubborn. Our dogs are about to bark. You're good. The FedEx truck just came up the street. <laughs> <You're> okay. Good. <laughs> That's a good end stop for, for things. I can tell more about what changed in about um, 2013, 2014 yeah. in a minute here. Don't yeah. let that topic away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love I just, I love that you said that. I think that's really common. I mean, even I'm in a different realm and getting out of dental hygiene school, I thought I knew everything there was to know about periodontics. I just learned it all. Right. And so I was not, yeah. I was not concerned about learning anything else or learning beyond what I had already known. Right. And I wish I would have taken that same advice of like, learn beyond what you've are like, learned in school because there's a lot of different ways to do things and yeah I love I love yeah. that advice it's really great well I'm gonna say I'm I can um I'm an optimistic kind of guy and I can paint a rosy picture of what's happened in the past I think I'll just go ahead and do that but I feel this way I'm kind of glad I didn't chase um panky one through four or whatever there was back right. then right away um because I think I needed a break um yeah and that's true well the things that I love about dentistry. Um, I was busy discovering those for about 10 years anyway. And those are the things that got me ready to actually want to go pursue something else. Um, I spent until age 28 pursuing the dental degree. And, and you know, um, the second you pass the boards, you're done. Um, and I didn't really need more um, self-imposed pressure then, but I definitely needed to get familiar with this uh, function of being a, a provider of healthcare, uh, yeah. part of the healthcare team in the community. Um, and that's the stuff I fell in love with in the first 10 years. So I loved having a small practice that wasn't doing very well. It was actually awesome. Um, I love talking to patients. I didn't really understand how much I loved that until a few years of doing it, but like, this is great. Um, and I love watching a business uh, grow and try to optimize it. Um, a startup is kind of easy because you don't have to be, um, wise about how you use your time because if there are only a few patients a day it's there's no 
difficulty scheduling people. You can just put people wherever. Yeah. So that's true. Um, it was kind of a nice idyllic time that I sort of miss in a way. Um, when the practice was um, not doing very well, we had started having kids. Um, we got to spend a lot of time with the kids. Um, it sort of got up the ante when the practice got busy enough that we had to start thinking about optimizing our time. Um, mm -hmm. And then when we discovered that there are better ways to do things, that's when things got tricky, actually. Yeah. yeah. So I guess that leads right into the, the topic of technology, because that was one of the first things in our in our discussion before we got on the podcast and that you talked about that you are, you are a tech driven office. What does that look like to you? Yeah. In practice? Yeah. Well, um, every piece of technology has to, well, we're happiest with technology when it's almost invisible to the patient. Um, we're wary of gimmicks. I'm Gen X. I think, um, I, I think we're known to be wary of, uh, gimmicks. Um, so I transfer that over to the patients. So the technology has to be kind of invisible and has to make life easier for the patient somehow. Um, it's fine if technology makes my life easier too, but it's, really like, what is this going to do for the patients? So as an example, um, we're, we started finally, um, same day milling of crowns, um, about 13 months ago. And I didn't want to do it sooner. Um, I was waiting to be able to mill zirconia in house because I wanted to use zirconia mm. and we needed, boy, if this makes the patient's experience easier, great. Um, if our lives are a little easier, excellent. Um, we used to go on vacation for a week, um, a couple times a year, and there would be, I never even wanted to know maybe 20 people out there with temporary crowns. They're going to have trouble. Um, it stressed us out. It was difficult, you know, um, even though we try to make perfect temporary crowns. So that just got easier. That's an example of technology that we like. Um, another one, um, text message reminders for patients instead of, uh, phone calls, um, or postcards, things like that. Um, trying to just make things more seamless. If you look at our, I think it still says on our website or our Facebook, um, something like, we believe going to the dentist should be simple and easy. I think something like that. And we just keep trying to do that as much as we can. But then another example is um, full mouth scan, like an iTero scan for each new patient um, over the age of 18. Mm -hmm. And there were, well, geez, that's making the patients... Um, exam easier for them because they can just sit and look with us at what we're seeing. So I'm hardly ever handing a patient a mirror anymore. We're looking at the scan together. Yeah. Um, so we're always, that's the kind of stuff we're looking for. Um, it has to, it has to be almost invisible to the patient of the patient at the end. We want them to just say, gee whiz, that was easier than I thought. Then the technology has served us. Yeah. But if we're, if we're running ahead with technology and say, Hey, look, we're high tech here's why you should come see us. That's not mm -hmm. that we just don't do that. We're, yeah, I love that. I love your, the way that you view technology in your practice. Cause that it's a lot kind of the way that in the practice that I've always, that I've, that I've, that I've practiced in. And, and I think that it's really, it's really powerful. Cause there's, there are so many companies out there that are just itching to get into the pockets of dentists. Oh, sure. And, and, yeah. and, uh, and I love that the best ones in your practice are the ones that are seamless and, and don't seem like they're invisible to the patient. I love that you said that. It's really great. Yeah. So we're definitely not, we don't go through the exhibit hall at the regional meeting and um, pick up a new thing and try it out. With, right. We don't have a, a dusty collection of things that we're not using somewhere. Um, um, 
Okay, so we're going to get into data a little bit because we are general intelligence. Um, the, yeah. and, the, and the one of the reasons, and the thing that really stuck out to me um, specifically was this idea of like, and we talk about it a lot, dental intel of closing the back door. A lot of people are so focused on new patient acquisition. And I feel like our bread and butter a lot of times is just keeping the patients that you already have in your practice. And one of the things when I was looking at the data um, in your dashboard is we've got this um, year over year graph um, that shows the growth. So it, it, and for those of you that aren't, aren't dental intelligence members don't know what I'm talking about. We've got, it has like a new patient section. It has um, uh, recaptured patients. So what that means is patients that have been longer than 18 months, uh, you got them back in the practice. And then we've got patients that fell off that and have, it has been longer than 18 months that, and they are lost to us. Um, and then status change. And that means just people that maybe lost their insurance or died or, or whatever you took them off of your records. So um, the thing that really stuck out to me between, I, I guess the last, in between 2021 20, and 22, you guys, your average of lost patients was 40 a month. And, and then in the last six cents or so, it, it has evolved to only 10 a month. So it's pretty close to say that you guys have closed the back door as much as I've seen really quickly. And I want to know, and maybe there is not a great solution that you can think of, but I want to know based off of the data, it looks like you've done something different. Something's drastically yeah. changed. And what is that? There is. Um, and um, I think the originator of the system is a woman named Patty who just retired from the Productive Dentist Academy. Um, just retired like a week ago. Oh, um, congratulations, Patty. If you ever listened to this. I know. She's, yeah. <laughs> and, and then um, we worked with one of their coaches too, Kelly. Um, they they just have a system. All you have to do is follow it. Um, and I can describe it, although I'm not the one that uses it. It's a five-week cycle. Um, it's something like the first week of, not every month has five weeks, right? But some do. So the first week of a four-week month, you contact all the people between three and six months past due. Just drop them a line. Uh, this is uh, recare, recall patients, hygiene patients, and say, hey, looks like you were doing so-and-so. I think some of this is automated. I can't even remember. I'm not the one doing yeah. this. It's team. Um, then the second week is some other time interval. The third week, and so on. You can imagine. And the fifth week is some get caught up task that because of a certain number of months that have some extra days in them beyond 28 days kind of thing. Um, and I know because I remember this past winter um, at some point, Natalie and I were talking in the kitchen at 10 p.m. or something. I'm like, dude, we need to start following this system again because we were on again, off again for a while and not very committed to it. Um, some of that was team turnover. Um, yeah. For a while, we had a few different people working at the front and now we have a consistent duo uh, there and they're just doing it. Um, we've got one of them at the in the, the front office that just enjoys following a system anyway. They're like, here you go. Um, so give her credit and give um, Patty credit. I think she, all she did was figure out a reasonable system that everyone can follow. So we're not just getting to the end of May and looking at June and like, oh nuts, look, there are holes in the hygiene schedule. We're following a, a consistent system from week mm -hmm. to week. That's, that's all it is. There, yeah. we, I don't think we've changed uh, any of our language that we use or anything. We wanna work on that stuff too. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm excited to text these to Callie and Patty and let them know like, hey, uh, dental intelligence noticed. And knowing these two, they're going to be like, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, That's what we were trying to They do. trust their system. It's tried yeah. and true. Yeah. 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 So. And it, it sounds, again, back to like, there's no there's no original idea. Like it, it, it sounds, it, you, some, some ideas are just simple and that's one of them, but it shows up in your data yeah. and you guys aren't having on the back end to fill your schedule with new patients, especially in a time period where, I mean, we're recording this in July of 2022. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going to happen in, in the next little bit. I mean, I don't want to use the R word, but we might be headed towards that. And like to try yeah. to recapture the patients that you have and focus less on new patient acquisition is a really great thing right now. And to yeah. be able to do that and have that show. So it, I'm, so it's, it's, it was so drastic in your data. I was like, well, something happened there because that's, that's insane. Well, there's a double whammy because if we had talked 18 months ago, um, I would have seemed a little more frantic. At that time, we were still in the mindset of like, let's try and save the business. Um, I call 2020, it was looking back at in December of 2020, I was like, that was the year of the honey badger. You know, the <laughs> honey badger just goes around and does whatever it wants. That's yes. how we rolled in 2020. And, yeah. and then probably continuing into the middle of 2021. What I noticed was that we're in the suburbs, we're in these commuter suburbs, where typically there are two income earning uh, parents in a household, and they both head downtown to work every day. Um, and that just stopped. Um, so a lot of people that had previously been going for their general dentistry downtown and their lunch hour uh, started coming to us. Uh, that was a common trend. Everybody was out there looking for a new patient or a, a new dentist. Gotcha. Um, it was a happy hunting ground. So there was a time that I was very strategic um, and convinced Natalie, like, let's not work on hygiene reappointment. Let's make sure we leave room for people who really need us. Yeah. Um, or people who are changing dentists. So you can look at our stats. I think, but I mean, let's not sit yeah, here and do this a, now. You but... had a month in 2021, like the beginning of 2021, where you at far exceeded your new patient acquisition. Oh, by yeah. Like there were, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy if my general over, idea of over our practice. Over 50 or kind something. Of, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like to, to keep it humming. I, like we need 20 or so if we're not following a growth strategy something like that, 25, I don't know. I'm kind yeah. of fuzzy about the whole thing. But yeah, there were some months that we just went bananas. Um, mm -hmm. And we we made room for them partly by not doing hygiene reappointment, which would make your founders uh, skin crawl, uh, Weston. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but I, and I was, I'm like, let's not worry about hygiene reappointment right now. There's opportunity here. People are in a state of flux. Um, yeah. Let's capture them. So uh, the, when we did start, um, closing the back door by just following the system, there was kind of a double whammy effect there uh, because of, we started, we were operating differently. Things have kind of settled down now. And... There's, yeah. there's two things I, I want to pull out there because usually the time when people think about hygiene reappointment is when they see the, the openings on their schedule. And that's typically not the right time to think about hygiene reappointment like to try weeks. to get people back on next yeah. week right? or two, yeah. two weeks out. So I like that you've got a system in place that works for you, getting them on the schedule in advance. Um, <clears throat> and then the other piece is um, that system controls, when, when that system's not in place, 
the hygiene reappointment calls or text messages, if it's not automated and it's not systematized, that happens when there's available time at the front office. Yeah. And when is there available time at the front office? Never. There's almost never any downtime in a dental practice at the front office. So it's like, okay, that's so until it becomes a drastic red flag of why are there so many holes in the appointment in this coming month or this coming two months, um, that system controls that and keeps that full. So, yeah. And I also, I've never seen a strategy that, that made sense to me to not reappoint uh, except for yours. If you don't want to expand hours to pull additional patients in that could be new patients into the practice, maybe don't stress that, that as much. Yeah. Get them in and then get them scheduled out further. And, and uh, now you've got all those patients in your practice. So that's, a, that's an interesting thought there as well. Yeah, that's worked well. Um, and you're right. There's um, no downtime. I can't go up to the front desk between patients on one of my patient care days and finish a conversation with either of them because the phone will ring. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to stand there for a minute while they answer <laughs> mid-conversation Yep. yep. I uh, love- every single time. I, I just want to, I guess, applaud your, like your force, your, like to be able to realize that like, you, you know, your patient demographic well enough to know, like, and you're in your community, like all these people are now working from home and we have an opportunity to capture that, like that, that's a big deal. And, and it's, it, it, I don't want to like overstep that or overshadow that. And also the bravery it took to kind of go against the grain a little bit and not do what people are telling you to do to kind of capture this new patient pool that um, I, 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 that's just really great. So I, I, it's, it's something to be learned from, I think for sure. Cause I, I, and we all hope that we're never in a situation again. And we all thought we had a pretty safe job um, until the pandemic happened. And, <laughs> and then we had to shut down. I'm like, well, we didn't think we never saw that one coming, but um, yeah, but, yeah. but there'll be more opportunity to think outside the box for all of us. And I, and I, I love that idea. Yes. That's so great. Um, okay. So I kind of want to move on from this, um, closing the back door idea in your practice to case acceptance, which is one of those, at, which particularly in your practice is one of those things that you guys do exceptionally well. And it's, um, it's across the board. So uh, you've got your patient, your patient acceptance percentage is over 85%. Your treatment dollar per acceptance percentage is over 60 and your same day percentage is over 44%. All of those numbers are well into the top 10% of the practices of all of the practices that we have. Um, so what that really means to us and, or to me, when I'm looking at those numbers is that patients, they pay, they trust you to do they trust you, they're choosing you to, to do any of the work um, and that they're doing more work than we would expect them to or accept more of the work. And they're also doing it the same day. Um, and so talk to us a little bit about the contributing factors of, that you think are kind of lighting up to the, those yeah. numbers. As I idealize my past, um, remember until, well, preface until I was just trying to look at the history of the Google doc. I have a Google document um, going back to 2013. Remember the practice opened in 2004. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I think I started the Google document must have been halfway through 2014, but it's so old that Google won't even tell you how old it is. It just says, sorry, we updated in 2015, whatever. Suffice it to say, I'm serious too. I didn't even know the daily production. I never looked at it. Um, I just, I would, at, at the end of the month or so, Natalie's doing the QuickBooks in her little study in the house. I'd be like, how'd we do this month? I just did not care what happened as long as we were making a living. Um, that's how low key I was about stats. Um, then I created the Google doc that I was mentioning must've been in 2013. And I, I remember going up to the front desk where then office manager was I'm like, can you give me the day sheets from last year? I just, I'm just making a Google doc. Like, sure. I sat there and typed in the daily production from the past year and started looking at that. Um, and sure enough, just like, um, all the smartest people say, if you start watching a number, it's going to improve. Um, Please remind me what question you just asked me. No, I told you I'm not an early you're thinker. Good. No, you're good. Case acceptance. Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. So for those first 10 years, um, I was just hanging around, having fun, talking to patients. Um, <laughs> and it was, you know, the first, probably the first year that you're a dentist, you're kind of like waiting for the patient to stop talking because all you want to do is fire up your handpiece. Um, starting our own practice, I had a better sense of ownership of like, these are my patients, not my bosses. I was... I was happy with the people I work for, but it just felt different to have my name on the door. Like, I don't really care whether we do this work or not right now, um, but I do want to have a relationship with this patient that lives on because um, I see how hard it is to get new patients. Um, I wasn't missing things. I was a little afraid to tell people they needed treatment, um, yeah. underdiagnosing, uh, things like that. Um, I slowly figured that out. Um, but that to me, um, by the time I finally heard this, um, restated from someone who understands dental practices better than I do, Victoria Peterson, one of the founders of the productive dentist Academy. Um, I think the way she said it, the, the, she said the, the offices that are really doing great year after year, year, month after month, um, you can't really do that without focusing on their relationships. Um, that's her blanket statement. I'm like, oh, I guess that's what we've been kind of doing because I'll sit around and shoot the breeze for a long time with a patient. Um, if I ever had to go, say, if our practice ceased to exist and I had to go work somewhere else, I'd be very, um, I'd be very choosy about where I work to make sure that I have enough time to talk to patients. Um, that's kind of step one. Um, step two that's um, made life there, I'm going to try to give three, three things. The second thing is um, when we start to think about how much do we want to produce per day based on our own natural limits and our, just sort of how we want things to run. Um, we've never really been after a ton of growth at a time, but um, we do have a daily goal. And once we're scheduled for that goal, we stop adding patients to that day. Um, and we learned that from Bruce Baird, who works with uh, Victoria Peterson. Um, and it's crazy sometimes because you'll have, um, say, if you're working on five teeth in the morning, you might not put much else in that day. And then you just start filling other days beyond that. Um, but that leaves opportunities to take care of things for people on the spot um, out of hygiene. Say if we yeah. scheduled a, a productive morning and we have more or less the whole afternoon just to do exams, we're probably going to end up doing more work. Mm -hmm. um, that's the second thing. Uh, the third thing is um, increasingly we're discovering that um, the team can help us with a lot of this stuff. Um, I think they would agree if I kind of wish they were on here with me and they could mm -hmm. agree or disagree. 
but I think they agree it's not their job to sell. Um, and I don't, I don't think we hold them to that standard at all, um, but to be a resource to patients. Um, so I'm happy if I walk past a hygienist talking to a patient and I hear the hygienist saying like, well, you know, we're just here to be a resource to you because that's really what it is. Um, and I, yeah. I think we're kind of low key about whether we actually end up doing the work, um, but we, we do want to, um, we like to be busy, whatever, but that's not really the point. Uh, the point is to give our our patients the, uh, a chance to take advantage of the best that uh, dentistry has to offer. Yeah, um, and, the, and the education. And a lot of that is just our knowledge and experience. Like, hey, man, I've seen people like you. I, I know what you're going to look like in 10 years. I see how quickly your teeth are wearing down. Photos help with that, but so does experience and insight stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know. Have I answered your question? Yes. Yeah, and I want to okay. go back to, because I, I, was, I was making notes as you were talking. Um, and the first one was time with your patients and and I, that's a really common theme as we've been talking to these practices that have really high case acceptances. We've gone through these podcasts is that, um, it seems like the people that take a lot of extra time with their patients, which is totally counterintuitive from what you think yeah. that you would be wanting to do. I mean, if, if your drill's not going, then you're not making any money. Um, but yeah. I, but, but this is, this is what this is showing us is that, you yeah. know, the amount of time that's spent educating your patients is, uh, pays off in the long run because it increases the case acceptance. Um, so do you, I, I guess my question to you is what's the typical time frame for an exam in your practice? Do you Are have, you talking you, new patient? Yeah, either new patient okay. or periodic. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, what are we doing with new patients right now? It varies sometimes. Um, 18 months ago, they, they had two hours with hygiene. Um, we would just straight up gamble two hours on someone we've never met and it was fine. I guess sometimes they didn't show up. Um, we don't like it when people don't show up. Right. If any of our patients are listening, please come here. Stop Let us know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but yeah, we did that for a while. Um, that meant that they were, they had all the time in the world, right? Um, we changed eventually when we changed strategies and started focusing and reappointing. Um, the hygienists like seeing new patients. Our hygienist, uh, Hannah, I love what she says that, like, Hannah, do you like seeing new patients? Yes, it's like opening a present. Like, <laughs> yes. Oh, that's awesome. But Hannah, I'm sorry, I have to take away the new patients right now because the other patients need us. So now they have, they have an hour with an assistant. Um, mm -hmm. The assistants are well-trained. I'm happy with how they treat the, the patients. Um, the assistant has about half an hour to gather information. That's mm -hmm. a scan, whatever x-rays we need. And um, basically the Invisalign series of photos uh -huh. um, that becomes our uh, database. Um, uh -huh. And then doctor gets in there and spends 20 to 25 minutes with them. Um, and the process takes about an hour. Um, if it's a simple treatment plan, um, I mean, the simplest could be um, someone who's 23 and all we're going to do is refer for wisdom teeth and schedule them for a cleaning. Mm -hmm. um, we're done pretty quickly. If it's an involved treatment plan involving a whole arch yeah. of teeth needing to be worked on, we'll probably have them back another day um, yeah. to go over some things and, and so on. That's what we're doing with new patients. On the, so you've got them coming in on your, on your side and then coming back for a cleaning yeah. and possible follow-up. 
case yeah. ex case exceptions education if needed. Okay. Yeah, and I happen. I mean, I was literally diagnosed with ADD, which is now called ADHD when I was 11 or something. I had to take Ritalin. Mm -hmm. I love covering a busy office and having five chairs going. Um, mm -hmm. I have to work against that. It's okay to not have. It's not like you're a goalie and you have to. You want to keep track of 11 more players on the ice or something, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but that's exciting to me. Yeah. I know I can only do a good job if I'm at most doing two hygiene exams per hour and also working on a patient. Um, hygiene exams, if you survey our two hygienists, um, what would you like to see differently? I know they'd like to see us do shorter exams. And lately we've been realized what they're really telling us is um, we need to empower them more to talk to patients mm. more about things other than fun stuff like um, what soccer well, team your kids yeah. are going to be on yeah. this year and so on. Because they are, they can be a resource to the patients Absolutely. too. So yeah, we've yeah. been working on that more and more, and that's really helped. Um, so oftentimes the recall exams or recare, um, I might only spend five minutes, and probably three minutes of that is chit chat if I already know the patient pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times work comes out of that. I said that I was I invented one good thing, and as far <laughs> as I know, I actually invented this. Um, <laughs> Or maybe Natalie and I did, or maybe we stole it from somebody and forgot where. Um, but we do enough. have. You've been together yeah, long enough well, that you have your one brain. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I, I I think Natalie would probably disagree, but <laughs> sure, that's nice of you to say. Because um, I'm all over the place, and she's more methodical than I am, um, for sure. But Katie, if you were a new patient, or Adam, um, we would. I would. I hope that if it's not the end of the week, and I'm forgetting to. I'm not at my best, I would say, um, hey, here's what we want to do. You've probably gone to the dentist before and you probably kind of dread it because you go in every time and they're going to tell you two more things that are wrong with you. Okay, frustrating. Um, we want to do it a little differently. We want to gather all the information, figure everything out, including try to predict future problems, try and stop those problems um, and identify things that we're going to have to deal with in the future, but maybe not right now. And that's just different from a checkup where the doctor goes in and pokes around and like, mm, got a cavity. You know what? Uh, they'll help you schedule, go up front. The patient that hopefully doesn't have this experience every six months, but a lot of times in dentistry, your dental insiders, you know, this happens to patients. That's not fun for a patient. Mm -hmm. So we've prefaced our exam with like, let's just figure this out. Our one innovation that I'm like, I'm going to use until I think of something better or retire um, we do identify fragile teeth and we have a list of fragile teeth for each patient. Um, oh. and someone age 22 with no caries history might have no fragile teeth, but somebody my age probably has three or four fragile teeth. Second molars that have ever been filled, they're probably fragile. So we look for fracture lines. We don't inventory specific fracture lines because we have photos on a scan. Um, but patients do, you could stop, um, patients on their way out of our office if you wanted um, just, Hey, can I ask you something and say, how many fragile teeth do you have? And they'll probably tell you because they mm -hmm. sort of know. Um, and that doesn't mean we are going to work on those. Um, we don't do the big grand slam print everything out. Here's the most treatment we could do. Yeah. It's $18,000, take it or leave it. We don't do that, but we definitely engage in an ongoing process with our patients because I'll look patients in the eye all day long, say, Hey, I'm going to check things out in your mouth. Now, remember we've got about four fragile teeth in there. If any of those are showing decay or getting sensitive or things that we notice, we're probably going to have to do some work on those. And 
you know, I now if a that. fragile tooth has a cavity, it's probably going to need a crown. Yeah. If a, fra a tooth isn't fragile and has a cavity, it's probably going to need a filling. Patients mm -hmm. are like, okay, that makes sense. Um, so I, I over love, time, I think that's it. what you're seeing in our stats um, mm -hmm. because we're, we do end up doing work because the fragile teeth do break or we find the explorer gets stuck in the distal marginal ridge of a number yeah. 19 or something and, mm -hmm. and we get to work. Yeah. So, and, and obviously, because I mean, your, your case acceptance, your patient case acceptance is over to over 85%. So that means that all of the patients, I guess that that's you stop, good. That's yeah. it's, it's incredible. According, according yeah. to Weston, yes. that's good. I listened yes. to his podcast yeah. yesterday yeah. Like, um, to get ready for this. Yeah. But like what I, but what I mean by that is, and I love this idea because I, and like with the iTero scanner and all of the imaging and, and all the things that you've done, there's, there's a couple of different ways to do this. And I'm not, I'm not a dentist and I'm not saying that one is either better or worse, but what I am saying is that you've educated the patient to the point where you say, okay, this there's a fracture here and it's fragile. And so you have a fragile tooth, whether we do a crown on this ever in your lifetime, I don't know, but I do know that it's in your mouth. Right. And that education, then they'll know, oh, that broke. That must be one of my fragile teeth. I yeah. know who told me about that. I'm going to go see them. Right. And you've established this trust with them. And that takes time and it takes education and it takes trust with the patient. And I love that you guys are building that because there are, there are other people out there that would take that information. They would take the fracture and they would say that needs a crown. Yeah. I mean, you, you know what I mean? And I'm not, and I'm not saying, I mean, I come from a conservative, my dad was a conservative dentist, my brother's a conservative dentist. And so I kind of come from a conservative background, but that being said, it's the education piece of it that I think is really leading to your incredible case acceptance. So I guess, awesome. I don't know. It's, it's cool. Yeah. Um, but it's how I'd want things to work too. I like to know what I'm up against. I'll never say yes to anything, um, on the spot as a consumer. Yes. I'm like, go think about it kind of a guy. So yeah. yeah, that's great. Adam, did you have some? Yeah. So we've done quite a few of these. Uh, you, you, uh, I, I think you mentioned you'd seen one. There are six more that still have not come out yet that we've, that we've done already. Oh, I want to check them out. The, they'll be, they'll be coming out in two, Wait. three week increments. Yeah. So awesome. you'll, you'll, you'll see them shortly, but it's interesting that every practice that we've talked to that has exceptional case acceptance describes a system that educates the patient very well, that gives them the overall understanding of where they're at with their oral health. Um, and they, every single one has described a new patient exam that is more than, well, at least one hour of either assistant time or doctor time or a combination of both to provide that education to the patient. Um, and like Katie said, that's a little bit counterintuitive. You know, I know a lot of offices that they'll schedule one hour for a new patient exam and that includes cleaning and exam. And those offices, maybe, maybe the exception to the rule will have that high of a, a case acceptance percentage. But for the most part, our highest case acceptance percentage offices are educating better, are creating this understanding of here's where I am. 
they're not forcing a here's where you are here's where you need to get to to but like understanding the patient and where they want to get to but that patient needs to know where they are first before they can know what they need to do to get to where they want to be and i think that's the missing piece in a lot of case acceptance is creating that understanding and then helping them understand the path to get here's where i want to be how do i get there and then you showing them how you are part of that right how, how your treatments are a part of that and at that point it becomes very easy to get them to accept that treatment because they've made that discovery themselves right yeah sounds like you know, what's funny yeah that. we did the one I, I didn't know any other way i learned it from places i work but you just put them for an hour with the hygiene and go do an exam in the last five minutes mm-hmm. things took less time then because we didn't have photos to take and so on just yeah. x-rays but um i can tell you um now i wish we had kept stats um i wish dental intel had a stat for this but you i don't know how you would ever track this the phenomenon in a general dentistry office where there are voicemails on monday morning that hey i broke a tooth it's a back tooth it's sharp on my tongue you're like oh goody we'll be busy we'll do a crown um that has hardly that hardly ever happens anymore Mm. in our office once in a while it's a novelty when it happens um people are out there breaking teeth certainly but that phenomenon of like a couple of those every weekend um yeah i would like to know um your dental intel is probably second only to insurance companies um actually knowing how things turn out and i would actually just like to know because i want to do a good job for our patients um are, do we have less endo do our patients need less endo than average right. that would make me so happy mm-hmm. um if we're being more proactive that way I don't want to overtreat and I don't want to undertreat. I'm yeah. trying to figure out where the line is. We haven't talked about prevention. That's another whole thing. Um, yeah. cause we're, we're big on that too. I tell patients all day long, I'd really rather, rather not have to work on you ever. Mm-hmm. Look, we're busy. The office is always pretty busy. Yeah. It'll be interesting um, to look at. I yeah. and we can, I, and after this, I can look at, I'll, I'll send you a report. So that we have reporting in dental Intel that will look at your procedure codes. Um, yeah. so you can, uh, over time, so you can see like, if, if you, I've used this for marketing, but you can use it for what you're talking about here, which is to evaluate like at what point, like how much endo were you doing before you got, before you started yeah. say doing the iTero scanner or, or before, right. Or, and up until that point. So you can kind of take time yeah. frames and look at those, look at those codes and see how it's changed, um, how much of the treatment you're doing too. So. Yeah. yeah, you can't yeah. do that with us because we don't do endo because we have but, great endodontists down the road. Like a, so I or, wish or so. crown or or whatever code yeah. that you really want to look yeah. at. So okay, yeah. um, we could, I could talk about this for forever, but we're like oh, running too. out of time yeah, all know. day long, all day long. Um, <laughs> I know, but I wanted to not skip. I wanted to not skip over the collections percentage um, for you guys and talking about collections. And again, that I made I, notes about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm sure. Cause I can explain. Yeah. Like, I'm sure this isn't your, your, your field of expertise, but it is something that again, um, so your, your practice is over 113% of your, so at a collection percentage, which is, which is phenomenal. Um, a lot of practices that we see in that, in that range are typically fee for service. Um, but, but that being said, um, I, the reason why I want to talk about it. And again, not to like home, I'm like, I'm not want to be like the grim reaper of recession, but like, this is one of the first things that we'll notice, um, in a practice is the collections percentage starts to 
starts to decrease. So I want to know what your practice is doing to contribute to that large collection percentage average that you do have. Yeah, there are two. Okay. There's part of it is there's a fluke in there right now. Um, because Dr. Natalie, my wife, um, just started a whole bunch of Invisalign, um, uh, cause oh. she had an Invisalign day two months ago and that's, extra. that's hey, okay. That's because mm-hmm. boy, I, I don't want to retire with a percentage greater than hundred percent. That means we committed fraud. <laughs> Yeah. Right. It should eventually equal yeah. up to a hundred or 90 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But be. even your, but, your AR days are be- like really good. I mean, I just pulled yeah. out the best number that I could find, but you're like, how often, how quickly you guys get paid from when you do treatments really great. Yeah. That kind of thing. So yeah. What well, I'll tell you, time? I can keep answering the question. Um, there's, because I thought about this yesterday because I knew you're going to ask me, I'm like, what is it? We were driving all day, remember, um, mm-hmm. across South Dakota and like, Natalie, what is the deal? What am I going to tell these people? Um, and so we were kind of brainstorming. Um, and I, I, that's why I have some notes. Um, the way we're tackling this um, in about the past year, or at least the past nine months, um, when we're doing more trainings as a team, um, we're focusing more than we ever have on the team. Um, I remember um, I haven't I haven't learned that much from Roger Levin, the consultant, because we've never worked with them, but I heard him speak once. And he gets up in front of a room full of dentists at the AACD and he says, hi, I'm Roger Levin or Levine, however you say his name. I'm a consultant. And then he's like, you work with untrained staff. He's just like wagging his finger at the whole room full of dentists. Um, That's like the first thing he wants to say to a room full of dentists. And I left a big mark on me like, yeah, we do have to train them because otherwise we're just asking them for great performance and not giving them the tools oh, they need. We're just, mm-hmm. maybe we're, maybe we're overemphasizing why or what result we want, but we got to give them the how. Mm-hmm. Um, so our trainings are scheduled. Um, and for as long as I practice dentistry and as long as I get to do things my way, we're going to have the front office team, the non-clinical people involved in all the trainings. Even when we're geeking out and talking about perio numbers or anything, they're coming along because they need to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. They need to value it as much as we do. If they need yeah. to see the difference between us and the 15 other offices that a patient drives past on the way to ours, right? Um, now, when a patient shows up for their, say they show up for their treatment that we figured out three weeks ago, and now they're going to have their work done and say there's an amount that they have to pay, um, it's going to be a lot easier for the front office team to have that conversation with the patient if they value what we're doing in the back. Um I was an associate in some offices where there was there were two little tribes, the front and the back, and they battled. That's mm-hmm. common. Um, mm-hmm. And is. if that's happening in our office, it's going to be harder to get paid um, because we got to be all on the same mission. Yeah, that's something. Um, there that's, is actually that's a, a secret that's a big sauce thing because yeah. that is a big thing because people aren't like if you don't have the right notes or the right imaging or whatever, right? And the front and the yeah. back are fighting. It makes it difficult. Okay, tell us your secret. Well, there's more about that in a minute. Um, I'm going to give a couple more reasons at the expense Mm -hmm. of time here because it's complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's that's really important. That's the mindset of like we're on a mission to help these people be healthy. You're part of this mission. You're not just there to the gatekeeper at the front so they can come in the back. We show cases. We show finished cases. um, Our own, other people's sometimes to everybody. Like, look, here's what happened. Because commonly, I bet they're people out there on a Monday right now over the country collecting four figure amounts of money and they're never gonna see what happened um, in the back. 
It's mm. just a, it's a paper pushing exercise. I'm talking dental office, yeah. front office people. They need to know what's going on in the back. Mm. Um, we are budging a little. Um, if you give just our team credit, the people that actually come to the office every day, because we don't, our billing department is outsourced. Um, oh. Yeah, we That's worked awesome. with e-assist for a long time and we'd love to keep working with them, but there's a quirk about Minnesota laws and becoming a debt collector in Minnesota that e-assist mm. didn't wanna, I don't know, there was something that they couldn't do in Minnesota. So we had to go look for another one. Now we're using a group called DPE, mm -hmm. Dental Practice Enhancement. Um, and I just sent them a happy gram, a thank you note on the way out of town uh, last week to go on, take a week off. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for giving me my wife back because she was, of course, she was the one um, having to keep track of all this stuff. And what happens is, um, it's kind of like you said earlier, Adam, about um, past due recare patients. Um, it's one of those things that's going to get pushed aside every time the phone rings. Um, so we don't even try and do it in-house. Um, they take care of it. Awesome. Um, so in the patient's journey, hopefully we're accurate with our insurance verification. They rely on us for that. Um, we collect the appropriate amount of money for the treatment that we do. The patient is happy because they understand what's going on because we were good um, clinicians. We did a good exam. So they're like, hopefully kind of like, take my money. I want this cavity gone kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, we see that, um, and they're not just reacting to a broken tooth that happened on Saturday night. Right. Um, and then after the fact, um, we've been really happy with the, the way it's worked. Patients are understanding that we have a billing department that's not on site. That's common now in the world. Um, mm -hmm. and DPA has been incredibly, uh, professional and kind with our patients. And so it's, there's, there's more, I think, but those are kind of the big three, yeah. um, things of That's like, great. why are, why are we doing well? Yeah. Um, but I don't want to be the, the office that people are kind of mad when they're writing us a check or running their card. I want them, I want the patients to appreciate uh, what, what they're doing for us. And that means spending time with them at the exams um, yeah, in the first place and having money. a nice yeah. Head, like, yeah. And let's it. try and avoid dental problems in the future. Yeah. Which also makes it so that you are more successful, being, you're able to be more successful at having an outsourced billing department. Right. Cause I think a lot yeah. of times are, are people are a little bit worried about giving that piece up because they have a lot of friction or they have a lot of, um, conflict that they have to overcome. Their office managers have to overcome a lot of conflict, right. With people trying to get people to pay. But it sounds like if you do enough of the work on the front end, then that's something that you can outsource. Um, yeah. And that's worked like, really well for us. Yeah. And then when a patient wanders in, say there's a walk-in or the phone rings more commonly, mm -hmm. um, that's the, their entire task at that point. They're not also worried about how they're going to, mm -hmm. oh, I have to go through the list of collections or the doctor's going to be mad at me at the end of the week. It's yeah. one less thing for them to worry about. And they can just be present and focused on what we're doing yeah, that day. Really so that's funny. worked out really well. Oh, this has been a really fast hour for me. Anything else you have to add before I go, Adam? No, I think no? Uh, all the all the information's been been really yeah, great. Yeah, really good. Well, we ask the same question to every single person on the podcast because um, it means something different to everyone, and I'm interested to see what your answer is on this. But what does growth in dentistry mean to you? I prepared. I knew this question was uh, coming. <laughs> because I, I uh, brushed up on you all uh, before coming on this podcast, and I still don't have a great answer. Um, but I have some candidate 
answers. Um, I think that's where my, my, what I said early in the podcast, like, man, it would be kind of nice to come back on in two years and tell you how things have turned out. Um, mm -hmm. cause there'll be things that I said today that seem crazy two years later. Yeah. Um, the other side of it, I think that's been missing for a long time. Um, I really like you're in Utah, you know, about the Bonneville salt flats mm -hmm. and speed yep. week. Have you ever yep. been, gone to speed week? No. Okay. I, I suggest it. it's, what is it in August? It's coming up, drive out there for a day. I think it's three hours from where all the people yep. live in Utah. Um, and it's free as far as I know. And you can just watch people drive three, 400 miles an hour on motorcycles and you can talk to them in the pits. And what's neat about it that relates back to dental practice is like, that's like every day in a dental practice, you get to optimize something and change how, here. Let's try, let's do things this way this time. It's just like somebody tuning a motorcycle or a fast car to go drive on the salt flats. Um, the difference is that in our world, um, probably with good reason, we're kind of secretive about money. Um, on the salt flats, everyone gets to see how it turned out. So you can go walk into the pits. Um, I went to see this with my dad a couple of years ago, and we just had a blast for one day, and then we're completely dehydrated and never yeah. wanted to go there again. Um, but you get to walk around in the pits and see what people are doing with their rig. And they'll just talk to you and talk your ear off. Like, yep, we got eight cylinders. And I don't even understand what they're talking about. But the point is that's just like, you can take your dental practice. It's closed for the day. It's five o'clock. You can say, okay, tomorrow we're going to, let's do this a little differently. And then you get to see how it does. It's like, we're going to send it back out again and see if it does any, you know, um, what's missing still in our flow that we're going to keep working on is team. So it'd be pretty fun to come back here. You don't have to invite me back, but this is just hypothetical <laughs> we will. in two years. But if I, what the vision Adam, I have for Adam two years, and I are still that, here, we will. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I want though is, um, Dr. Natalie probably still won't agree to be on a podcast. That's fine. Um, but I'd love to show up with team and, and I, I would love for a team to be able to relate how we empowered them more and more to do more of these things. Cause I don't want to be the mastermind of any of this, um, any more yeah. than I have to. Um, and we haven't, we've, we've, I feel like we've just touched the tip of the iceberg there. Um, along with, we haven't done that much with dental Intel yet either compared to what we could be doing. I feel like we're just getting started. So very specific to your podcast is growth in dentistry here means um, getting the team more involved um, and also unlocking more of the potential of, of dental intel. Um, awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure. It really has. Um, I've, I've learned a ton and, and I love to continue to see um, all of like the links between all of these really successful practices and, and, and what they all have in common. So it's been really great. Uh, thank you again. So this has been Growth in Dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast. Again, special thanks to our guest, Dr. Andy Droll from Droll Family Dentists in Minnesota. You can find um, the link to uh, get uh, get.dentalintel.net slash podcast to get $50 gift card for completing a demo um, in our in our show notes. And also I, I'm going to reach out to um, to some of the people that you've name dropped and see if we can get some information on them too and put it in our show notes as well. So, um, excellent. In case, you, in case you want to reach out to them. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anybody listening that wants to contact me, argue with me, tell me what I said wrong. Yeah. Um, check yeah. out our practice, whatever. I want, I'm always interested. In yep. I, and I'll put a link to helping. that in our show notes as well yeah. too. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you to our marketing department uh, for all their work on this podcast. I'm Katie Poulsen. Keep growing.